In this episode of Balancing the Christian Life, we talk about being a single mother with Donna DeHogue. Welcome to Balancing the Christian Life. I'm Dr. Kenny Embry. We'll talk about being better Christians and people in the digital age. Let's go. When I go to church, I often see single parents with their children. And I have to admit, I'm pretty impressed. My wife and I have four children. And while I love all my kids, I know that once there were more kids than parents, it was much more difficult. Every single parent situation has a story associated with it. Some are divorced, some are widowed, but all are dealing with something I just don't understand very well. A few months ago, I met Donna DeHogue through Chris Emerson's Chapter Day Reading Group. She is a nurse and single mother with two teenage boys, and she was someone with a real curiosity about God's Word and a willingness to put into practice what she was reading. She was briefly in one episode of the podcast, but had technical difficulties and had to drop out. But I knew I wanted more of her story. So we talked again, this time focusing on what it's like being a single mom and a nurse in a time of COVID. Listen to who her inspiration is. I know you'll be impressed by Donna. How you doing, Donna? I am great. Well, good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You are a single mother that's raising some boys, aren't you? Yes, two boys, 15 and 17. Oh, oh, bless your heart. That's a hard age right there. I guess any <laughs> yeah. age is easy. <laughs> no. What are, the, what are the some of the challenges that, that you have as being a single mother? Just being a single mom, having a big mom and dad, um, pretty much all in one which is, is a lot, it's, it's really hard sometimes. Um, you know, there's sometimes, you know, boys especially need their dads. It has definitely been a great thing. Me and my boys are incredibly close. I don't think you can put a piece of paper between us. Literally, we're that close. We tell each other everything, which is, <laughs> has been sometimes a blessing, sometimes not. I'm like, oh, my goodness, don't tell me that. <laughs> there's times where I just want to kind of cover my ears and, and, and sing something. So <laughs> they just didn't ask me that. But I'm so thankful that we have <clears throat> had that relationship and they are comfortable with that ability to be able to ask me anything and literally anything. <laughs> so that's a good thing. How long have you been a Christian? I think I was 16 I uh, when I was first baptized. I was baptized into the Baptist church. But I would say more realistically, probably been a Christian probably the last like six or seven years for sure. I think mm-hmm. you had met my friend Leanne. She, she, probably, she was the oh, one yeah. that kind of yeah. introduced me and kind of saw some of the things that I was doing and some of the things that were different from the true word of God. Yeah. And pointed it out. And I was like, oh, I've never noticed that before. So I would say truly following through gospel six years. Why did you decide that it was important for you to take Christ seriously? My life wasn't in a good place years ago. You know, I've been married and divorced, you know, for non-biblical reasons. You know, at the time that didn't really bother me because I, I wasn't taking God's word serious. I kind of was doing what I wanted to do what my mm-hmm. flesh wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing God's will for my life. I wasn't 
in his word every day. I wasn't reading scripture. I wasn't trying to find out more about God, about how to live a righteous and Christian life, which was detrimental to me in a lot of ways. Like you said, you are divorced. What's the struggle with being a divorced single mom? There's a lot. You know, a a lot of the things, it's difficult to be alone. And, you know, because of my choice to divorce for non-biblical reasons, you've got two reasons according to the scripture, um, either for you to remarry, either the death of your spouse or your spouse was uh, not faithful. Neither was the case with mine. That was something that Leanne helped point out to me that I was like, gosh, you know, I've been doing this wrong all along. I didn't take my vows seriously whenever we were married. It's supposed to be one man, one woman for life, and those two become Mm -hmm. one flesh. I don't think I really understood that. It really wasn't really ever explained to me. And honestly, I I didn't dig into it to understand it. It's not anybody else's fault but my own. Just doing everything alone. You know, I've got great Christian friends that that I hang out with. But the topic of of setting me up on a date or, hey, let me fix you up with this person comes up all the time. And it's usually a very difficult conversation because it's not something that I I don't want to be single for the rest of my life. But it's a choice that I made that I have to live with now. It's often a conversation where you find out really, truly where somebody is spiritually, um, whether they believe the reasons that you can become divorced and and why you can remarry in today's world. And I've desperately try to keep teach my kids this um, as you wait until you come together as man and woman until you're married in today's world, you see so many sexually active teenagers, sexually active kids, sexually active adults that are not supposed to be. And they're, they're again, thinking about their flesh. They're not thinking about the end result, which is heaven. It seems to me that that one of the things that that happens at church is, I I don't think this is intentional, but I do know this, and my guess is your situation is very similar. We don't have a lot of single mothers there. And one of the things that that I think that happens in church, most of the service and most most everything is geared toward mom, dad, and kids. Is that difficult for you? You know, now that you mention it, I've I've got a few close friends that I go to church with, and they're also single. It's like the single people have kind of gathered together and... You know, church events um, like Christmas, like gatherings, is often yeah. pretty difficult because everybody's there with their spouse, everybody's there with their kids, and it's like, yeah, that's difficult for sure. And again, it just kind of points back to the single life being not what God wanted for me, but what I chose for myself. Ultimately, you know, having to follow through with what God's word says, and it's it's difficult. It's there's times where it's. It's beyond difficult where it's really hard. But for people who aren't in that situation, explain what the hard is. I think one of the things that happens to a lot of us is we want to be helpful, but we don't want to feel like we're being intrusive. What would help you? How could they approach you? I know, you know, you know, just being a single person, you know, and especially you know, holiday gatherings and stuff like that, you definitely you definitely feel like the third wheel amongst a bunch yeah. of couples. For sure. You know, you try your best. I'm very social anyway, so usually I don't ever shut up (laughs) the crowd. I can talk talk somebody's head off. So that's been a good thing. Um, But I know at church we do like ladies gatherings, like ladies groups, ladies Bible studies. Those definitely help. I know uh, there's been 
some men at church um, that have been super helpful. Um, they know that the kids don't have a fatherly example yeah. to show them things. You know, they'll go, they'll go throw the football or go, you know, because I, oh, I am definitely not good at throwing balls or anything like that. <laughs> I, will, I, can, I will throw something and my kids look at me like, really, that's the best you got? I'm like, sorry. <laughs> that's terrible. But, um, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, play with the kids. Um, you know, this was when they were, you know, were much younger. Yeah. You know, but now, I mean, just providing a, a godly example to the kids of, of a male figure in a house, you know, them them being the head um, of the household. Because they don't see that in my household. They don't see that the male is supposed to be the leader of the family. Do they see their dad very often? No, they don't. They haven't seen him in almost a year. Um, even prior to that, whenever they would see him, he would buy them a video game just to get him back to their room so he could play on the phone or, or chat on the phone with his girlfriend or, you know, just, they would be there physically, but no real interaction. So, um, like they may get a text, um, Maybe once or twice. Like I think they got a text for Christmas and their birthdays, but that was it. It was like Merry Christmas. I, you know, I see it hurt them. As they get older and older, they they're, they're starting to realize, you know, this is just how things are. It's not that mom did. It's just it's just how it is. And then and then then this goes back to the Bible. Um, I get very angry with him, um, with how he treats his kids, and and that you can't even show your kids that you love them. Right. But then it goes back to I had to put away anger, malice, all those all those things that it talks about in First Corinthians, and I have to put it away. Yeah. And it's hard, trust me. When when somebody hurts your kids, it, there, there's there's no wrath like a mother's wrath. I tell you what, but it's it's not my wrath; it's God's wrath. Yeah, you're showing a lot of strength to do this. You have voluntarily decided not to remarry because you don't believe that there's a, a, a scriptural reason to do that. That's a very principled stand to take. I mean, yeah. frankly, I don't know a lot of people that would that would make the decision that you made. Was this a hard decision for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very social by nature. My dad was very social. I watched my mom be married to my dad. My dad died when I was 16, and she remarried my stepdad. So she had two successful marriages. They did things as as a family should. Mm-hmm. It, it's a struggle and there's times where, where I slip and I don't they'll be like oh just go have coffee with this person and I'll go have coffee with them and and I'll, I'll bring up Jesus and they're like what's what's your thoughts on this I'm just curious you know and I'll tell them I said without going into too much detail as to why I believe scripturally that I don't have the right to date and I don't have the right to divorce and they were, and most of the time, I get, well, I don't believe in all that stuff. Well, then God just proved to me, even more so, why I'm doing why I'm, what I'm doing. And I said, it's, yeah, it's getting too close to crossing that line for me. It's like I can't, I can't be half in and half out. It's got, I've got to be all in when it comes to the dating, or, or I'm gonna fail, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. I know where my weaknesses are, and it's definitely a weakness for me. Because I'm, I'm very much a lovey-dovey kind of huggy kind of person, and and it's just I, I can't 
I can't even tempt that line at all. What's the blessing of being a single mother, you think? I guess the relationship with my kids. We talk all the time. No sharing, you know, with with the dad not really seeing them much. And I've told them and begged them literally and prayed with them that they wait for God to show them the right person. And until they have that answer from God, you know, God will let them know who the right person is for them. And until they have that answer, until they know that in their heart, then they are going to remain single and they don't, you know, they remain celibate until they're married. I said that that relationship, that special bond is between a man and a woman and it's supposed to be that way forever. And you become one flesh and the man becomes, you know, I've gone back to the man becomes the, the leader of the household, the woman submissive to the man. And I said, that's, you know, that, that's biblical. I mean, that's what you need to do. So I think it's been a blessing that I've been able to show them that. I've shown them the example of um, whenever you mess up, that you ask for forgiveness of it, first off. And you know, you know that you're forgiven of it. And then you always follow through with what God's word is, even though no matter how difficult. Um, God's a loving God, and, and he's, he's not here to save us from physical pain, but spiritual pain. No matter what physically we go through, our end result is heaven, where we'll be spiritually with God forever. From what you're telling me, it, it sounds like one of the blessings you see as a single mother, and correct me if I'm wrong, you get to introduce your kids to God. Yes. You know, a lot of times I have to show some pretty tough love when it comes to my boys about responsibilities. And, and I told them, I said, you know, I used to hate it when my mother would say this, but she's like, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't care so much. Whenever your kids are doing something that they're not supposed to be or they need corrected, it's my job as their mother and as the provider, and as much as I love them, to to correct them. They're like, no, this is not what you're supposed to do. And 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 the punishments and and that come along with that that I have to enforce are, whew, that that's even more difficult, especially being being a single mom yeah. by, by myself. What's the challenge of being a single mom raising two boys? I've, I've just come straight at them with it. And they're like, ho, ho, we're not having this conversation. Yes, you're having this conversation. And, you know, uh, the, the topics of, of peer pressure has come up a lot yeah. because it is, such, yeah. because it is a, such a prevalent thing. I told them my mistakes. Me and my mother really didn't have the conversation. My, my dad was, was super ill and died whenever I was 16. So she, yeah. she was pretty much in the, in the boat that I am now was but was raising a daughter yeah. by herself and she was working a lot of hours to be able to support uh, yeah. support me and keep a roof over our head so we didn't really have those conversations so i knew from early on um that those conversations were vitally important for me to have with my boys because if if i didn't have those conversations the likelihood of peer pressure creeping in and and making them possibly do things that they maybe didn't want to do or maybe weren't comfortable with doing, but we're doing them mm-hmm. because their friends were doing them or more likely than not. Um, we've talked about peer pressure from, Oh gosh, when it comes to drugs, when it comes to alcohol, when it comes to smoking, when it comes to every aspect, um, 
that, that you get peer pressure from. You know, my kids have, yeah. you know, have been very honest with them. They were like, were you sexually active before marriage? Yes, I was. And they were like, well, how come? Well, you know, one, I, I didn't really know. Two, it was peer pressure from, from the guy that I was dating at the time. Um, you know, they've asked mm-hmm. me about alcohol. They were like, did, did you drink and, uh, under, when you were underage? Yeah, I did. And I'm like, there's, I mean, there's sometimes I wish I could take them in to, to what I see. And I explain to them all the time what I see in ICUs whenever a mother has got a brain-dead uh, teenager or even young 20-year-old because of their experimenting with drugs or, you know, so many times um, I would hear, you know, they never did anything. They never did drugs. They never did anything. And at that point, it's too late. I mean, you have to talk to the kids about peer pressure. They have to know the dangers that exist with that. Um, And first off, they have to know that they have the right to say no. Mm-hmm. And then follow through with that. Your mother was a single mother as well. Yeah, my dad died when I was sixteen. So, um, right. my dad got sick when I was nine. Died when I was sixteen. So, the majority of the of the household responsibility was on her because uh, he died of Lou Gehrig's disease, and uh, it was a horrible disease. He was wheelchair bound. Oh, I want to say it. I was fourteen. So yeah. it was, it was very much on my mom to, to do all the supplying at that point. I definitely learned from her example uh, how to be a strong, strong woman for sure. If it wouldn't have been for her, I don't, I don't think I'd be where I am today. You said you learned a lot from her. What'd you learn? Her dedication to her family, her love. I could sit there and go on and on about this one. Her ability to. Be humble. Put herself dead last. <laughs> wow. I mean, I can't even. No. No matter. No matter what, she always made sure. And even even till the day that she died, she always made sure everybody around her was was taken care of. Always. Always. She was always dead last on everything. Like for example, like eating Thanksgiving dinner. She would always make sure everybody else was served first, then she would eat. Or. Somebody needed something or somebody needed to go to the doctor. She would make sure that person was taken to the doctor before she even thought about herself. I mean, she, she was, she was the example of humility that I strive to be. And of course, what do you think your boys are learning from you? I hope dedication to my word, dedication to God. My word means nothing. God's word means everything. If I were to ask your boys, do you think they might say some of the same things that you would say about your mom? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> I sure hope so. Just don't ask them on a day that they're in trouble. <laughs> 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 that wouldn't be a good day. <laughs> but it seems to me that your mom helped you figure yeah. out how to live the life that you're living now. Yeah. I was a pretty bratty teenager. I'm... I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty bratty and, you know, I very much got into that phase and this was from a lot of, a lot of things that, probably a good thing in retrospect, but like, you know, I didn't get to go hang out with my friends on Friday night. I had to help things around the house, you know, take care of my dad, do whatever 
had to do, but yeah, I became that very much. What about me, kid? And I needed a foot put at my rear end, probably like most most teenagers <laughs> do at some point. But yeah, but looking back, I mean, I can definitely see the error of my ways, and I'm you know I'm, I'm ashamed of some of it. But kids need need that guidance. They need that. Not everything in the world is about you. Everything. You have to consider others because kids by nature are just, they're, they're focused on me, 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 me. And my mom really didn't at the, at the time, you know, struggle, you know, care for my dad was a full-time job. Plus she worked full-time. I kind of got pushed kind of to the back burner as far as my correction. And yeah, it didn't take long for me to be like, you know, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. You know, I shouldn't act yeah. that way. It's something I did see because of her example, because of yeah, because of the way that she was, because of her humility, because of her love, because of her dedication to everybody around her. You've already kind of made reference to this fact. You're a nurse. You're also mm-hmm. a single mother. How has COVID changed things for you? Oh man, it's it strengthened my faith for one. How so? You're never promised more ever, and that's that's been never more evident than it is now when healthy people seem to be dying from this. Yeah, this this week, our two two friends' husbands have died. You you have to be ready. If you're not, it's a gamble. And that's not something I'm willing to gamble is my salvation ever. With COVID, I've talked to people about Jesus. And there's been cases where I've not been able to talk to people about Jesus. I've asked their family because they're either intubated or they're in a coma or, you know, they're, they're too far gone. And I'll be like, you know, I pray that they know Jesus. And the family would be like, yeah, they do. Who do you see as your inspiration? My mom, for sure. <sighs> you know, her her strength. I try to be the person that, that would have made her proud. Um. I try to make, by all means, Jesus is my inspiration. You know, mm-hmm. if if I'm doing something and it's not going to make him proud, or like I used to say, um, you know, that look Peter got whenever he denied Jesus three times, whenever Jesus turned mm-hmm. around and looked at him, I imagine getting that look from our Savior if I'm doing something that's not pleasing to him. And it's enough to shake me down to the, to the bone. It's like, yeah, no, don't want that look. Don't, don't, and I, my, my mom, <laughs> we used to say uh, her green lasers. It's like if I did something or said something I wasn't supposed to say, or if I was acting a way I wasn't supposed to say, she'd turn around and she'd look at me, and it was like some, like fire was coming from those green eyes of hers. And, and I, I still <laughs> remember that. And believe it or not, I kind of remember, remember that is the, is the look that Jesus gave, even though. Jesus wasn't angry. Jesus was more hurt. What did I miss? I see people, and, and, and I was guilty too at the beginning, relying on fear. Uh-huh. Um, so many times in the Bible it says, do not fear. Yeah. But we're not supposed to be fearful of anything. That includes yeah. this virus. Do you think you're an inspiration? I hope so. Like at work, when we have a downtime, I've always got my Bible out beside my workspace. At work. Uh-huh. I've had so many people come up to me and they'll be like, I totally respect you for what you're doing. And I, 
and they'll, they'll catch me at my workstation. And I assume that they're talking about just being nursing during the pandemic. And I'm like, well, thank you. It's difficult to watch so many down there. Like, no, not that. They were like, your Bible. They were like, you don't see that. You know, I pray that maybe just seeing me do that maybe will be an inspiration for somebody else to dig into the Word, actually show up with with their with their actions, with their care, with their attitude, with their humility, with everything that they are. Because yeah, it, it's those examples that people are going to be like, huh, what are you doing different that, that I'm not? You know, my yeah. life isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. My life is hard in a lot of Wait a minute. You don't have it all figured out, Donna? No. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> not even close. But just, I mean, my life isn't, isn't easy, and it's, it's no roller coaster ride, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, some people may look at, my, look at my life and be like, oh, man, she's got it bad. Maybe. Or maybe not. Yeah, I know Jesus, and I know the end result, and I know heaven is my goal. And Heaven's yeah. going to be where, where I want that. It, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't matter. God, God is, is very much a loving God, and He's not here to save us from physical pain, life being unfair, but He's here to save our souls mm-hmm. if we let Him. I end all of my podcasts with Be Good and Do Good. Donna, what's good? God, in a word. <laughs> God is so good. Yeah. For whatever reason, he, he brings life into every single one of us every day to give us a new chance. If somebody wanted to try and reach you, how could they get in contact with you? Probably my cell phone um, is probably going to be the best way, um, texting or, or calling me. I mean, 901-319-6381. And right. I work days and night, or nights, but it usually if... If I've worked the night before, I usually don't hear it. So it's not usually a problem. That's <laughs> me. So I definitely recommend texting before. And you're also on Facebook. It's Donna and then my maiden name, Holly, H-O-L-L-E-Y, and then Dehoog, D-E-H-O-O-G. Donna, I really appreciate you doing this. You're an inspiration to be. Well, thank you. As I say, I'm extremely impressed with Donna's choices. Jesus plainly said, you have to leave everything to follow him. And Donna has such a clear vision. Donna, thank you for the example you are. As for the good thing I'm thinking about, I'm grateful for family. My boss just lost her mother. She has been in poor health and it wasn't unexpected, but it was sudden. She told me part of her mother's story, and she sounded like an amazing woman. I know this is trite, but tell the people you love that you do. If you're listening to this episode as it's being released, I'm putting it out late on a Friday night. Starting next week, I'm going to change the day of release from Fridays to Saturday afternoons. It's simply an easier time for me to finish the edits to get them released on time. If any of these episodes have helped you, please do me a favor and share them with your friends. I'd also like to thank those who financially support the podcast, like Kevin Hansen, George Sanchez, Don Nietzsche, Barbara McElwain, Chris Kramer, and my parents. If you'd like to support as well, you can find information in the show notes and on Patreon. So until next time, let's be good and do good.